Check Me Out is a production of Panhandle PBS and Amarillo College's FM90 and is a part of the Great American Read from PBS. Local partners include the Amarillo Public Library, the Harrington Library Consortium, and Amarillo College. With the support from Barnes & Noble Booksellers, the Corporation of Public Broadcasting, and the Ann Ray Foundation. Well, I did what I always do. Like, you know, when I'm watching Netflix, I'm like, oh, I can watch something new or I could watch The Office for the 300th time. I reread 1984 and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And I don't know why I did it, but I loved them again, all over again, because they're just that for me. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Welcome to Chug Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. I'm Amy Hart. I'm Hillary Holsey. We are going to talk today about the final Great American Read Reveal, the Great Panhandle Read Reveal. So we're going to tell you the winners of both of those things. And we're going to talk a little bit about the behind the scenes of uh, Chug Me Out and how this season has gone. Uh, we've got lots of things to say. So let's start talking about the Great American Read. We're going to talk about the winner. And actually, let's talk about, you have the top three with you? I do. So let's talk about the top three Okay. For The Great American Read. So in third place, surprisingly, Harry Potter, the series. In second place, Outlander, the series. What? And it was a big gap. Yeah. There was a large gap between Harry Potter and Outlander. And then in first place, To Kill a Mockingbird. Yay! Yay! We're Which very we wanted excited. That to happen, or I wanted that to happen. Yes, absolutely. really honest. I was okay if it was Harry Potter, too. If it were Outlander... I would have been very frustrated. I would have been very confused. Well, I've never read it. I have no idea. I've read half of it. The first book. Not half of the series. Only half of the first book. Now, I know the people that love it love well, it. Well, clearly. Yes. And they, they banded together to vote. vote. A lot. Yeah. So uh, I think that was the biggest surprise, really, that we saw on the national list. I mean, there were things that in maybe in our great panhandle read that went out really quickly that were a little bit higher up on the list nationally um but overall it was pretty pretty comparative i would say yeah and i mean i think it's really fascinating and i i kind of thought about to kill a mockingbird and harry potter in the top two for the most part the entire time how cool it is that it's through a child's eyes in both of those scenarios. And I think that that's perhaps what makes it so relatable on a grander scale. I was gunning for both of them. Um, but I don't know anything about Outlander, so I can't really speak to it. I don't I don't know I what who is the narrator like who is the how do you do you remember? Uh, it's the I think it's the female lead that okay. is. Um, but she it's how a awesome. time travel. It is a time travel type historical fiction type book okay um but it's kind of i would i would consider it almost like a romance type novel but maybe the people that that are reading it are, will totally disagree with me on that i think though because of this perhaps we should have an outlander discussion on the podcast next season yes when we have season two yeah because That's i would love to know what people are thinking about this book Maybe we're going to have to read some before it starts. We should. <laughs> so. And also, another thing I would like to point out that I just realized, the top four books, which that includes Pride and Prejudice at number four, all written by women. 
That's awesome. All women, all female authors. That is impressive. I know. That's very cool. Who came in at number five nationally? Number five was Lord of the Rings. Okay. And then Gone with the Wind at six. But you're, I mean, I would think Lord of the Rings or something like that would have been ahead of Outlander. I think that's the big surprise for me. Yes. And I I'm, I really think that Outlander is of the of the moment. I agree. It's not, I don't think if we had a great American read in 10 years that Outlander would be number two. We we always say the Thornbirds is our example yes. of well if this was back then yeah. the Thornbirds would be in the top ten you know but maybe that's the case mm-hmm. maybe twenty years from now we'll be like oh yeah I remember kind of reading those books one time I yes. don't know but who knows maybe it will stand the test of time because people do really really love it so let's talk about the final two locally and then we'll talk about the winner okay. locally so the final two locally were Harry Potter and To Kill a Mockingbird. Wherein Harry Potter won. Yes. By, I mean, comparatively, the ratio, it won by a lot. Yes, it did. I think it did. I agree. Um, And I was surprised because we live in the South. It's not the old South. It's not, you know, Alabama, but it's a Southern story. And I kind of felt like we would favor that, especially since Harry Potter, when it came out here, was such a point of contention for a lot of people because of its themes of which wizardry and mm-hmm. magic mm-hmm. and our area of the planet didn't like it and it was I mean it was on the news you know this is witchcraft should we be reading this should our kids be reading this I can't speak to when To Kill a Mockingbird came out because I wasn't alive I agree and I but I don't think it held as much of that kind of controversy here I, I couldn't I couldn't say either way but I am surprised that I agree with you Harry overcame I know we've talked about it before on one of the podcasts that you had to go in front of your pastor or whoever yeah. and, and like ask per- permission from your parents if you could read these books and like it's a you know and ask the church if you can read these books and so yeah you're you're correct it and maybe we've just softened up a little bit because it is such a massive phenomenon that these books well, and if you really look at the themes of Harry Potter, it's a Christian allegory. It It is. I mean, you have your Jesus figure that dies and comes back to life. Spoiler alert for those who haven't read <laughs> Harry Potter. Well, and some would say he didn't even die. But, you know, you have a lot of things in it that you can't help but have it in there. That's It's part of our cultural well, capital. And, and, yeah. and just the basis of good versus evil. Yes. I mean, if you want to get down to that, that's really, it's a story about a boy growing up and fighting evil. Yes. So, but they're huge. I am not mad that Harry Potter won. In fact, I love it because we have the best of both worlds. So you've got nationally To Kill a Mockingbird, you've got locally Harry Potter. Harry Potter, And I'm okay with that. Yeah, um, me too. It, it's, you know, I would not have been mad if To Kill a Mockingbird would have taken it all though. I, I know neither one of us would have. So why don't we talk about both of those books? Okay. Because they both you know, resonated. Absolutely. On a national scale and a local scale. Why do you think they did well? Um, we've talked about before that it's kind of like the Star Wars phenomenon with with Harry Potter. Everybody identifies with it and it's like, this is my identity. And they think it's such a personal thing, but it's such a cult phenomenon. Um, and I think that that's 
that's why it did well. You've also got a series of seven books up against one book, which was To Kill a Mockingbird, which I also think is really interesting. So you have this big, massive series that got bigger and bigger as it went. Movies and you know merchandise. There's not a whole lot of To Kill a Mockingbird mer- merchandise out in the world. I mean, there's some. No, there's not. There's really not. But yeah. I've it, looked for it. Okay, so. When there was like a, a, a shirt that came out on Out of Print, I was like, oh. <gasps> Yeah, they have a To Kill a Mockingbird something. I love that book. I want it. Yes. That's how rare it is to find So, So, yeah. I mean, you've got total polar opposites right. as far as that goes, which I think is fascinating that really To Kill a Mockingbird, it is based on the book and the movie, mm-hmm. I would say, because the movie is just as iconic as the book is, but seven versus one. Yeah. And that's really fascinating to me. Um, And I think To Kill a Mockingbird, it's a heartwarming story. It's about kindness. It is about love and looking at human beings as human beings. And it's still so popular. I mean, that's so prominent today still. Right. Who would have thought we we would still be talking about this book our entire lives? And it's still being just as important now as it was growing up and as when it was written. I can't decide if I think it's sad that we are still having these conversations that To Kill a Mockingbird brought to the fore with civil rights, with, you know, it's not just race. It's now other facets Mm -hmm. of people's lives that they're trying to have rights. Um, I think that's part of why it still resonates, because we are still having these conversations of, as, you know, Atticus Finch spoke in the book that, you know, try walking in another man's shoes, like being in another man's skin. What is that like? And how do we position ourselves in that way to be a little bit, like you said, more kind to each other, more loving? I hope To Kill a Mockingbird, because most people read it in high school, I would say that, is that when you read To Kill a Mockingbird? Yeah, junior high or high school. I think it was probably early high school, freshman year maybe. That's a great time to Mm. read that book because you're, you know, you're beyond adolescence, you're kind of trying to figure out what you're going to be when you go into your adulthood. And so to have that piece to change your thinking a little bit more toward on a global scale or on a, a humanity scale than just your your own little world that you've existed in as a child and, and beyond that. Um, so I, I think that that's a great time to read it. And I think that could be why it resonates so much. Mm-hmm. The, the time that most people read To Kill a Mockingbird. Because I, I read it when I was young and I know my mom did and my dad. And I, I think that that has a lot to do with it. Let's shift to talking about how the Great American Read list was about the most beloved books. Do you think that was important to make it the most loved books versus the best book of all time? Yes. First, I think that it changed the competitive spirit of this. Like it is a competition. It was a competition. You're voting for your favorite book or the most beloved book. You're not really trying to prove that you're right you're not trying to set some sort of agenda in any way it's literally just what book do you remember curling up reading and not being able to put down and having conversations about that book with your friends and perhaps with your family or your parents or or whatever 
there was not a negative competition, competitive spirit. Because, you know, we live in a country where people fight over their favorite football teams. They fight over their political, you know, leanings. This wasn't like that at all. And I think because there were 100 books, it was an interesting playing field. You weren't at 10 books. You weren't um, putting people in a, a box in the very beginning. You were kind of just letting them vote and see where it went. I really think having it as the best loved book versus the best book of all time removed that negativity that we is really prevalent in our country right now. Um, not to get too political, but we have enough to fight about here. And it was nice to come together and discuss loving books rather than fighting. I enjoyed that nobody ever put down anyone about their choice. Now, you could say, Fifty Shades of Grey? Really? Tell me more. Tell me why. It wasn't like, oh, my God, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It was never that ever. It was like, wow, that's an interesting point of view. Why do you feel that way? So I agree. I feel like it. Adding the word loved was like the best choice that PBS could have made, I think, to make it more about embracing other people and what they felt about things and not putting them down about it, making them feel stupid or silly, and and knowing that other people, a, a panel of 13 people put Fifty Shades of Grey and Twilight and Flowers in the Attic and all of these other books that we might be like, well, that's not the best book. Well, yeah, because it's the most loved. And a lot of people love those books. You know, if you've ever gone to a library or a bookstore and you go up to someone that works there or a librarian and say, hey, I really loved this book. What should I read? You're putting a lot of pressure on one person. What I loved about this whole project was the, I mean, the fact that it exists in this internet age where you can go online and say, I love this book and tons of people because they know it was a safe space of, I really just love reading. Please help me find something that is like that. I saw so many questions answered like that on the Great American Read Book Club, the group that they have on Facebook. It just blew my mind. It, it, it's so cool that we can have those kinds of conversations and help each other find, you know, other pleasurable things to read and to escape into and to share our knowledge and share our love of something. Yeah. And not and not do it in a malicious negative. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I love that it really has brought us together in such a great way. And it's not about who are you voting for or what football team do you love? It's like, I love that book, too. And here's some great suggestions. I think that's fabulous. And there's something, you know, I love film. I don't have two degrees because I hate film. Um, <laughs> but there's something about the level of commitment that it takes to read, you know, series or longer books or even a book. You're not it's not condensed into a two hour time period like a movie where you say, OK, what do you think about that movie? Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it didn't. Whatever. If you've read an entire book, you've committed to it in some way. And that commitment is something that you've shared now with someone else who spent their time reading it. So I think there's something to be said about that where you're you're not you took the time to read something and you took the time in a time where we don't really slow down anymore. No one slows down. It's, you know, constant Facebook, mm -hmm. Facebook. Instagram. Let me switch to this app. Let me text this person. I don't call anybody anymore because I'm constantly texting and doing crazy stuff. But reading a book takes time. And I think that there's something to be said about that. It's kind of like writing a letter. 
Yes, like absolutely. You, you're showing that you put love and care and attention into something. Using a dark room when you do photography. Yeah. Playing records yes. versus your MP3. It's yes. like a renaissance. It it's is. Like it, it's this, absolutely. It's been a renaissance of, hey, remember, we love reading. And yeah. that's something we all have in common. And I just, I love that about this project. One of the things about this project, it obviously has promoted reading. I have read, I believe, four books since we started this back in the summer. Um, that is not a lot to a lot of people. We have been very wrapped up in this entire project. I wish I could have read 20 or 30 more books on the list. Time has not permitted that, but I will be grateful for the four that I have read. So I read, this is insane for me to say, my first Agatha Christie. What? What is up with that? But I love, uh, I loved, and then there were none. So I read, I read that because it was on the Tigar list. I am currently reading a prayer for Owen Meany. I finished Frankenstein, and then on our podcast we talked about Joe Hill, and um, I loved Nosferatu. And so someone said you have to read Heart Shaped Box. So I read that. Probably the next book that I read after Owen Maney will be another spooky scary because that's kind of the time of year that we're in. And that's what I gravitate towards. Um, but reading these kind of books, you know, there's a ton on the list I still want to get you to. You forgot one. What did I forget? Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yes. And I read The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Which I can't believe I forgot to write that down. You loved it. I loved it. Yeah. But you know what? It feels like I read it before we even got started because I loved it. I, it was like right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those that I felt like it's been a part of me my whole life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just one of those great books. Um, so five. So that's even better. Way to go, Amy. But you did way better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you do? Well, I did what I always do. Like, you know, when I'm watching Netflix, I'm like, oh, I could watch something new or I could watch The Office for the 300th time. I reread 1984 and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And... I don't know why I did it, but I loved them again, all over again, because they're just that for me. I don't know. I'm considering going. So I have I have a stack now. And as soon as that stack starts dwindling down, I want to go back and read all of the Harry Potters again. I have never read them more than once. What? I know. And there You're are people out. that read them once a year, like clockwork. Can and I tell I'm you? just not. I haven't done it yet. So I want to. Let me tell you why you need to do it. Why? Because J.K. Rowling is a badass and she totally thought through everything and I realized in my second time reading through it that there's this part and I'm totally going to spoil this so whatever there's a part in Order of the Phoenix where Harry and Hermione I think are cleaning out a drawer and it is literally just one sentence it is there's nothing surrounding it that makes it seem like this is epic you need to pay attention to this sentence nothing about it where they mention the locket that they really yes same thing happens in i think chamber of secrets where or maybe it's maybe it's sorcerer's stone i just read it i should remember that but they talk about peeves breaking this cabinet which is the cabinet that they use in the sixth book to go between wow worlds so that yes. they can you know eventually come take over Hogwarts. that's amazing she pays so much attention to detail and it's almost like, hey guys, are you actually 
are you paying attention? You know, it's it's really cool. And, and yeah, it's little things that you probably won't notice until yes. you've read the whole thing. And then you go back and you're like, wow, yes. I didn't know that was going to be so important. Yeah, she's cool. she's great. I love J.K. Rowling. I want to talk about the guests that we have had on our podcast so far. So this is going to be kind of a recap. We have had some interesting guests. We have had people that I think the, the biggest thing for us has been we will put three or four people in a room together that have never met. And by the time that we're done, they are out in the hall still talking about books. So we could do an hour long podcast. They will go out in the hall and keep talking for another 35, 45 minutes about more books that they didn't get to talk about while they were on the podcast. So I'm going to do a quick little run through of the types of people that we've had on the podcast. Okay. Um, So we had an episode called You'll Need Therapy where we actually had therapists and a professor on there. Um, Where is the Love featured librarians, elementary school teachers, and I will not say which episode that was, but (laughs) we we did. Uh, We had Shanna Peebles, who was the National Teacher of the Year in 2015. Um, She is an instructor and public speaker, public figure. Mm -hmm. She was on an episode. And she was part of the Great American Read. And that was the main reason we were so lucky to get her to come and do this because she was part of the selection process for this. We also had scholars on there, people with their doctorates, um, talking about books and you know, sharing with one another on this really interesting intellectual level, yet still engaging level for people who maybe aren't you know in the know of all the things that they are yeah and I love that so that episode this little behind the scenes action you and I at times would look at each other and I'm like they just rattled off about 15 authors that I've never even heard of yeah it was next level genius type stuff but like you said they were doing it on a level that anybody can understand it they are just so incredibly intelligent yes we also had high schoolers, which I loved that episode. I thought it was so much fun to hear their perspective. They were so funny and smart and made me feel a little bit better about our future. I love that they talked about the outsiders as like, you never really get to hear about boys stories. And it was like, what? what? Yeah. 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 So that's a, that's a really fun episode. Yeah. And then, you know, we had... People who are interested in movies, um, film scholars, if you will. I don't want to call <laughs> myself that, but no. Uh, people who love movies and talking about adaptation. Um, and then we had this random amalgam for our last episode of what content producer from PBS, uh, a woman in marketing at Emerald College, and then Amy's friend Carly, who just is an illustrator and loves horror and that kind of fiction so just a, a, a great mixture of people mm-hmm. some of We've them had teachers librarians everything in between yes so people from all walks of life all financially different areas of their life from an economic standpoint just just such a diverse group it was it was amazing to see And the fact that they all bonded over their love of books. Yes. After every episode, people were exchanging Facebook information and phone numbers. And so leading up to that, after after all of these things have happened, we decided to have a Great American Read Trivia Night, which Mm -hmm. we did last week. It was a it was a great turnout. 
And once again, we had people from college kids age to people that had masters and librarians and teachers and all sorts of different people, people that were there just for fun. Once again, you saw the competitive spirit kind of come out once or twice. Yes. But they were all, they all had such a wonderful time. We had a fantastic time. Yes. I had a blast. I did too. I loved heckling people. Oh, yeah. Of course I'm going to heckle them. Well, what else would we do? No, I know. It's not <laughs> like I know anything about books. But several several <laughs> of the people that were that have been on the podcast were actually at the trivia night and it was it was a very successful event. And I would love to do another one. Yes. We had five teams. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was really cool. For a first time event, I yeah. thought it was great. And so I think that we will probably do another trivia night at some point yeah. based on books and we'll do a check me out trivia night. Yeah. And, be and do something really fun. Yes. Special thanks to Metropolitan for hosting us. Yes, they were wonderful. So when this project began, it started with a woman that we would like to thank. Her name's Colin Lutz. She came to me and said, Hillary... We just got word that the next project that we're going to be doing is something called The Great American Read, and what can we do? And Cullen, throughout this entire process, was so accommodating. She believed in it to its very core. She herself loves books. You can tell from the conversations that we've had with her and she very much wants to be behind the scenes hopefully we can get her on a podcast in the future but she really helped drive this project to keep us on target to keep us on budget to keep us in order but also just really let us take this project and run with it mm-hmm. and i am so grateful to colin lutz for all that she's done on this project me too and i started this job in february And I think we started talking about this in what, maybe May? May. Mm -hmm. And I had not been here very long. She was not fully aware of my capabilities of doing much of anything, probably. And you're right. She believed in us. She did not question the things that we wanted to discuss on the podcast and, and all of those things. She just gave us full control. But then being that supportive person that we needed and, like you said, keeping us organized and on track. We've had all these live streams for The Great American Read. Uh, she's set all of these things up for us. She's a great contact person for people on the podcast. She's, uh, It's been fantastic, a completely amazing experience. And we were really sad today when we revealed the last winner. It was like, wow. It's it's over. It's ending. Yeah. So fortunately, we solved the podcast. We're going to keep it going another season. And... I'm happy. I'm happy we have something. You know, we still have the list. I would still love to work on the list of the 100 books because I don't want it to be over yet. Mm -hmm. And I think this is such a fun project. They could have made this go two years straight and I would have been fine with it. Um, Because it, it, it is that loving, warm feeling and people being happy again to sit in a room and talk to each other. Even though we're on microphones and it's kind of like out of the element of just sitting at a you know coffee table and, and having snacks and, and chatting. But I like that people looked at each other in the eye and they weren't on their phones for an hour and they just talked about stuff that they loved. It was almost the same kind of escapism that a book gives you. I agree. I agree. And I love the, the camaraderie of, 
you know, so-and-so hasn't read Stephen King. Let's give her a bunch of suggestions and let's, you know, let's help her out so she can read more books. And things like that were just so heartwarming. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, not only us as a nation, we here at the station, we needed that. We needed that feeling of community mm-hmm. and I, I'm just, I'm so happy that we had this project come along. I'm so grateful to PBS for doing this. I can't wait to see what, I mean, obviously they do amazing things and you know what they're going to do nationally coming up in the next few months in the next year. But um, this is going to stick with us a long time. I agree. We also want to give a big thanks to Chip Chandler, uh, who also works here at PBS. He put the trivia night together for us. He came up with these incredible questions, and he has done a lot for this as well. The live streams, he has done a lot of work to keep us organized as well. I think a lot of times you and I, we tend to, we're very scattered some days. And we're, we're in the clouds. And he's good about, you know. There are anchors. There are some anchors. And yeah. so Chip has done a wonderful job um, of doing that. So we want to thank him as well. And thank you, Amy. Thank you, Hillary. It has been really cool. It I mean, cool. getting to work together right out of the gate as something, you know, we typically, we kind of sort of work together, but this was a great way to come together, collaborate, be creative together. You know, we sat down and had coffee one day and planned out every episode and we're going to do the same thing again. So I, I really enjoy doing this and I know there's a lot more to come. Me too. Thank you to all of our listeners too for sticking with us from our first episode up until now. We've got lots more coming. Thank you. Check Me Out is recorded in the FM90 studios on the Washington Street campus of Amarillo College. Special thanks to The Mag 7 for providing our music, Colin Lutz, Scotty Vanderford, and Stevie Brashears for designing our really cool logo. Make sure you hit subscribe wherever you may be listening. <laughs>